Hey guys, this is Craig, and I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Thank you for hanging out with me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate you um, spending your time here, so thank you so much. This is day 11, or lesson 11, of creating a spell or ritual, and so, yeah, thanks for hanging out, man. I really appreciate it. Um, If you haven't connected with me on social media i really want to encourage you to do that you can find the black sheep experience on instagram facebook and twitter honestly i'm not super like um available on twitter just because um I don't know, man. It's just not, it's not a vibe I can really connect with, but I'm very active on Instagram and I'd really love to connect with you there. So please jump on there, man. Connect with me, send me a DM, comment on a picture, you know, a post, whatever. Uh, yeah, I would love to know that you're out there. So, um, we left off during a holistic portion of our ritual where we involved all the senses in the craft of feeling the intention, right? As if it were, or as if it was kind of in the now. So sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. Those are how we, um, those are how the human body anyway, receives sensory information. And so where we left off in lesson 10 um, was during a portion of the ritual where we would connect, right, um, within the mind to the sight of our intention, the sounds that we might hear, um, as if our intention already was, the smells that we might smell, as if our intention already was, the taste, the touch, um, all the things that the human body would receive sensory information from, as if our intention statement were already a reality. And so we would also include emotions, how we would feel, thoughts that we would be have, you know, what would you be thinking? For instance, would you be thinking about if you wanted to fly, uh, fly first class, right, on a vacation? Um, so you're enacting the intention with you in your mind as if it already was in existence. And with that, you can do that for as long as you choose to. Um, But you really want to try hard to immerse your mind in the experience of the intention already being a reality. So we talked about, we talked a little bit about that in lesson 10. And I'm just kind of piggybacking on that here in lesson 11. So you understand that that's an important part of the ritual. You really want to experience what it would be like if your intention or if the thing that you're creating a spell for, a ritual for, were already a reality. And so the next thing I want to move on to is your sigil. Now, I personally love sigil magic. I love the vibe of it, uh, the idea of working with the subconscious mind on this level. And if you've not listened to Lesson 8 on how to create a sigil, you will obviously need to do that right before you proceed. Although the process is really simple, but personally, I love um, sigil magic, right? And sigils show up a lot in what I do. Um, and so this would be the next part of our ritual. I include a sigil in almost every um, in almost every how would I say it? 
I don't know, critical or important spell casting that I do, right? Um, and so I do a lot of sigil work. Now, now some will tell you that during this portion of the ritual, the ritual, you should have already had uh, your sigil made up by now, and that's fine. You can do that. Um, but I really like it to be a part of my ritual. Now, granted, I've done a lot of sigils, and so it's not a big long process for me but here's why at this point your mind is empty of so many of the things that are usually intrusions at this point you're typically in um, not a complete state of um, trance but you're in the zone right you're in a magical mindset so creating a sigil for me is part of the magical experience now not always but during a spell like we're constructing um, it kind of is for me however remember you and I can't express this enough you are the magician you are the witch so you do what feels more uh, most organic to you right um, so if you want to create the sigil prior please do that. If you want to do it during, then do that. But take the created sigil that you've either done prior to the ritual or during and place the sigil in front of you where you can kind of cast your eyes on it. Now, the key to sigil magic is an altered state of consciousness. And so what you really want to do is find yourself trancing out on the image of the sigil. What's believed to occur at this point is that the subconscious mind connects with the quantum, the ethereal, the universe, uh, Nadra's web, whatever you want to call it, um, or net, whatever you want to call it. It, it connects with that and codes the power and the energy of the universe to bring about your intention. That's the idea behind this. The word often used is gnosis. Um, I've heard respected teachers say the right word should be ecstasis, and I kind of agree with that if you know much about the Greek. Um, based on my former experience with the word gnosis and how it is used most typically from the language that created the word, um, ecstasious is probably the better word either way for our purposes the you know the, the Greek words don't really matter much here what we're trying to produce is simply a state of trance and that's what you really need to remember right for those of you that are somewhat unfamiliar with trance work I'll cover that a bit more in the next lesson but essentially trance is a place where the mind gets so fixated on one thought or on no thought that um, you almost go into it, well, not almost, you, you go into trance-like state. And you may have experienced this uh, while working on something that completely took your attention or even while driving a car or watching um, you know, a spectacular television program right you may have experienced a moment where you sort of tranced out you lost time for a bit and so let's talk about the means of reaching trance so what you're really wanting to do is you're wanting to pray, uh, place this sigil in front of you and focus upon that sigil until you reach a trance like state where 
nothing else really is entering the mind but what it is that you're focused upon. Um, so there's two types of trance, right? Inhibitory, which is a magical trance concentration. Um, you can reach this through meditation, which is my preferred method. You can reach this through fasting. You can reach this through sheer exhaustion, where the mind is so um, either focused or weak that it has the ability to, to entirely place itself on one intention. The second type of trance is excitatory. So you have inhibitory and excitatory. Inhibitory is through non-stimulation. Excitatory is through stimulation, right? So what would some examples of excitatory be? Pain, um, right? Um, torture, sex, orgasm. So... Um, for magical practice, inhibitory and excitatory both work because they take all the, I guess, intrusions, all the interruptions, all the things vying for your attention. They kind of block all of that out and suddenly become extremely narrow focused on uh, really just one thing, right? And so it's critically, I think, important to understand. You know, there's an old adage um, about sigils, and that is to fire a sigil, what you need to do is get into a state of trance. So you focus on the sigil, and um, you're really just focusing on the sigil itself, not what it means, not the definition of it, but just the sigil itself. And you do that until you reach a trance-like state. And at that point, the sigil is fired into the quantum. For some people, they use the inhibitory method. For others, there's the old, um, there's the old adage, you know, jerk off and look at a sigil, basically. And what that is, is that um, as you're looking at that sigil, the moment you reach an orgasmic state, your mind becomes incredibly focused on really only one thing and um, a lot of times um, people will do that and then gaze at the sigil right really focus on the sigil as they're experiencing that incredible rush of pleasure um, and I you know th there is a there is some validity to that. I will tell you personally that I've had a lot of great success with sigil magic, but I also want to say to you that some of the most powerful spells I've ever performed and that, it, that have ever really come to fruition or proven themselves to be real or produced the greatest results have happened through what I've titled holistic magic, where I've clearly identified with the intention. I've realized the intention. I've experienced the intention through taste and sound and smell and touch and sight and emotion um, all of that and that also has been a very powerful form of magic for me so you want to do that right connect through the human senses you want to fire the sigil either through inhibitory or excitatory 
I prefer personally uh, inhibitory, although I've used both. Um, for some reason, and perhaps it's social conditioning, more than likely it is, inhibitory seems somewhat a bit more respectful uh, for me personally, and I'm able to reach a trance-like state very quickly because of my practice, and we'll talk about that in 12 and 13, but um, firing the sigil is critically important. Now, once you've fired the sigil, what's the next thing you want to do? A lot of people like to keep that sigil and hide it or place it in a book of shadows and that's completely fine. For me, what I really like to do to complete the process is burn that sigil. So what I would suggest to you, if you don't have one already, I have two small cast iron cauldrons. One is very small, uh, the other's a little bit bigger, but they don't take up much space, right? They're pretty small. So what I will do is I will fire that sigil through inhibitory or uh, an excitatory process, and then um, I will burn the sigil in the cauldron. It just kind of completes the spell, brings it a bit full circle, right? I placed the intention into the universe. I placed it into the quantum. I don't really need to worry about it any longer. I don't need to revisit it. I don't need to recheck on the sigil. It's out there. Let it do whatever it's going to do. What's um, interesting, and in lesson six or seven, we talked about the less for results. It seems to me that the more you concentrate on your results coming true, the less possibility you create for them to come true. And so keep that in mind. You want to, once you fire that sigil, once you place that magic into the universe, you want to let it have its way. You don't want to keep revisiting it. You don't want to keep testing it. Let it do whatever it's going to do. Give it some time. And then um, get reinvolved, right? So that is your ritual, right? That that is your ritual. You 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 come in, you clear your space, you clear your mind, you uh, take your intention statement, and you identify with it through sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thinking emotion right you clearly connect with that you create a sigil based on the positive affirmation of your intention and then through gnosis well i'm sorry through excitatory or inhibitory um trance you fire that sigil into the stratosphere and at this point what you want to do now is simply close the ritual whatever entities you've involved there uh, or invited angels, whatever the case may be, thank them for their participation and release them. Then thank yourself for the participation and release yourself and realize that what you placed into motion, it's literally changing the direction of the universe. You've coded something into the quantum that will come to pass. And I really think it's, it's important to note that and to notice it and to know it. So that's your ritual. We're going to talk about trance. We're going to talk about meditation. We're going to talk about um, grimoires in the next three lessons. So we've got a long way to go. But what I've given you in lesson 10 and 11 is a way to construct your own ritual. 
if you'd like to tell me about a an intention that you really want to undertake, please let me know. You can DM me. I'd love to hear from you. God bless you guys.